0: smart marketers will understand that you need the right mix you need to get the right balance it's a very long way back if you turn off a lot of your broader you know brand awareness led activities but you need to be able to articulate them in a way that makes sense from a, a commercial returns perspective so i think a lot of it really and this is probably a broader challenge for the marketing function is around the language that marketeers need to use inside an organization you're listening to Sunnyside up a B2B podcast that brings you the juiciest insights from go-to-market leaders and practitioners. Hey
1: everyone, welcome back to Sunny Side Up. I'm your host, Chris Moody. Today, I'm super excited to talk to Neil Dowling on go-to-market strategies for the future. Neil is the chief marketing officer for RightPoint, a global experience leader and GenPact company. With 20 years of experience in marketing for technology and professional services companies, previously at businesses like GenPact, Cognizant, and Fujitsu, Neil leads a team of marketers across the entire function from brand strategy to supporting company revenue targets to create sustainable growth. Neil, very excited to talk to you. Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Chris. How are you? Thank you for having me. Doing great.
1: Yeah, thanks. We're really excited for this conversation too. I know we've been talking about this a bunch, but the first thing, let's jump right in. With all the uncertainty that's happening for us, especially marketing leaders, what should we expect from marketing in the next couple of years?
0: I, mean, I think it's fair to say it's going to be um, a fairly tough time or challenging, but I think actually it can be a big opportunity for marketers. I think it's clear that we're in the current climate that we're going to go into a a period of time where companies might be questioning return on investment or looking at marketing investments harder. So I think we can expect those types of conversations. I think we can expect a lot more education and articulation around the value of marketing. I think we can expect marketing probably to be asked to do more with less um, potentially then to straddle into other areas as well i think as, as companies look at bigger agendas certainly the talent market i think there's going to be a consolidation potentially for marketeers to think about how do they not just acquire clients and, and revenue from the market but think about using those skills to acquire um, talent and push-ons or talent marketing objectives so i think we'll start to see you know fairly typical conversations around value of marketing or return on investment and the uh, the role of brand versus demand uh, in organizations and maybe the temptations for organizations to go quite short cycle and short-term pressures on, on marketers but also i think there's a bunch of opportunity in it to be honest i think there's the the ability to actually demonstrate the value of marketing i think to to be able to stay the course and and, and articulate um the return on on marketing is probably now more than ever and then like i said there's new there's new dimensions i think that will just naturally come into with the market dynamics especially around talent acquisition where marketers might be asked to actually use their skills in a, in a very different environment so um that's how it feels if that makes sense at the moment and i think there's a there's a bunch of conversation in, in the market around that at the moment but there's a there's a positive outcome i think to come from it but i think we all have to sort of stick together in terms of the the value of marketing and the role of marketing inside organizations, I think is probably going to come to the forefront.
1: Yeah, I, I love that deal. And uh, plenty of things for us to unpack there, and we'll jump around a bit. But one that really comes top of mind for me, you mentioned brand and demand. And we, we are hearing do more with less over and over and over. You talk to a marketing leader, sales leaders, everyone is talking about doing more with less, which is a tell as old as time for us in marketing. I think we're all used to that. But we do see a lot of folks that are neglecting brand when they say do more with less and value of marketing, where it's all, oh, let's go to only tangible real dollars. Here's the ROI. So what are your thoughts about splitting up brand and demand and making sure you still focus on brand while you're constrained to showing the value of marketing? How do you approach that?
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's uh, it's a fairly typical one that comes out and a lot of the short kind of the short cycle or the short term reactions or knee jerk stuff is to look at what people perceive as quote unquote brand marketing only or things like advertising or things that may be more of the broader plays in service to doing, you know, shorter term sales lead generation efforts. I think it can be quite it can be quite dangerous actually and quite sort of short term and damaging for organizations to think just purely like that. I think the marketeers need to find a way to stay the course. But on the, on the flip side, they need to articulate the value of why doing broader or more brand awareness or consistent efforts in the market makes sense. Um, it does seem that there's those sort of two camps, if you like, forming. There's like the brand marketeers, if you like, and they're probably supported by, you know, the fairly t- typical advertisers in the market. And then there's the more sort of lead gen platform players that are more, you know, plug in and get your lead gen efforts paid off. I think in reality, you need both right. Smart marketers will will understand that you need the right mix. You need to get the right balance. It's a very long way back if you turn off a lot of your broader you know, brand awareness-led activities, but you need to be able to articulate them in a way that makes sense from a, a commercial returns perspective. So I think a lot of it really, and this is probably a broader challenge for the marketing function, is around the language that marketers need to use inside an organization. I think it's it's probably not a great thing to talk about brand on its own or demand on its own. It's probably better to use language that a CFO would understand to try and find the path between, you know, consistent, um, investment in the market on a broader level in terms of things like advertising and then sales, for example. Um, but you do need to think about the language of the CFO. For example, I would not talk to a CFO about left brain, right brain, memory structures, or <laughs> some of the more sort of languages that are used in when when people are really pushing around brand awareness and familiarity i think it's you know i think marketers will need to find a way to to speak a much more business language to have an roi model to understand to other, understand the relationship between investment and outcome effectively no matter what it is whether it's a, a quote-unquote piece of like you know brand campaign or if it's a, a more obvious um short-term sales lead generation effort either way i think it, it goes back to understanding the impact of your investment on the organization. And now, you know, typically things like shareholder value, revenue, uh, the, the relationship between awareness and customer loyalty, probably.
1: I, I love that. And anytime I hear two camps, I think of uh, polarizing forces, right? And one uh, thing that I saw a lot as an analyst, sometimes branded demand, they did clash and they were separate camps and, and they were, Looking at different metrics, different goals, not always talking to the CFO. So, you know, do you think that should be split into two camps and, you know, yes or no to that? And then the follow-up question would be, you know, how should brand and demand leaders be approaching that collaboration?
0: Yeah, really good question. I think my answer would be no, to be honest. I I think it just won't serve marketing well if you do end up split, I think. Uh, and i've lived this a bit in terms of different organizations that i've worked with there's often been a very obvious kind of brand camp if you like corporate marketing and then there's been more you know revenue generating field marketing i think where i've seen it work really well and we did this actually um Gempack gem pack pretty well is integrated marketing right where you try and collapse and consolidate the spend and channels into uh, a consolidated team who have a collective scorecard now your scorecard needs to be around those different measures so you need to have a, you know, and marketing in general should have a very good, marketeers should have a very good relationship and understanding of the different channels. So I think you're going to have to integrate it anyway, because in reality, you're probably not going to have the budgets to do two separate splits. Uh, it should help you with that common language that we talked about, it should help you get um, collaboration in the team and get through to sort of a, a, a narrative inside the organization that speaks to outcomes and, and commercial returns. Um, but it is hard to your point, there is, there is organizations that are structured in that way. One, one real useful mechanism is to, is to get onto a, a common scorecard, you know, typically scorecards that have dimensions around awareness and familiarity around demand creation and around, you know, deeper client engagement potentially, but everybody signs up for it It can work. I've seen that, I've seen that happen, but, um, yeah, I, I, think, I think it's kind of dangerous if you like to polarize it out into different teams because you'll end up with that kind of competition internally, et cetera. It should all be in service to, to growth, really, or the, or the company outcome. But it, I, think, I think it'll become a necessity for folks to understand how to integrate and in the relationship between between the sort of, you know, two camps, if we call it that. And both need to learn from each other, I think, in terms of that language. both need to be probably smarter and more streetwise in terms of the articulation of either side of that. I do think some sort of lead generation and revenue creation teams don't see the bigger picture at times and don't understand maybe you know maybe a more short-term sort of sales support functions and then at times with the, you know kind of brand marketeers if you like all the big bets in terms of brand awareness lack of reality in terms of what the the pressures of the company are from a financial perspective so i do think you need to come together
1: i love that and Integrated campaigns, you mentioned that integrated marketing, integrated campaigns. I, I think that is an amazing place to start because it requires elements of brand and elements of demand and it has to have performance. And you know, if we if we pull that back, knowing that we have to do more with less, knowing that brand and demand have to work together, no matter how your organization is structured, when we are constrained to do more with less, forced to do more with less, required, whatever word we want to use, right? Maybe it's not constrained, but results matter. And everyone wants fast results. And what have you done for me lately? And sometimes that can force the knee-jerk reaction, which usually means we're underserving brand, customer experience, all of those things. How do you approach that balance and dynamic of staying the course and making sure that we are doing what we really should be doing?
0: I mean, some of it, to be honest, is, in, is experience and what you think is the right thing for the organization. So I think irrespective of some of the <laughs> the pressures that you're under, I think as a market, you sort of, you've earned the right. And you also owe it to your company to kind of articulate actually the, the longer term growth of the company or the longer term value of the company is actually better served by having a mix of things. So I think you do have to sort of hold your ground or stay the course to some extent. I think it's good to have a model of some sort, whatever it might be. I mean, people are in different positions with the data that they have at their fingertips. But most organizations will be able to get quite a simple narrative from what they invest into the outcomes. So I think you, need, you do need to start getting your language in order in terms of what your ROI model is, what your typical deal size is, what your impact is on revenue, what your conversion rates are, all that type of thing. You know, you give me one dollar, I give you ten dollars. That you need to try and get to that type of narrative it doesn't have to be perfect either, but that that type of conversation I think is respected inside an organization. So I think you do you do need to be hyper conscious of having a quote unquote ROI model or commercial model, um, and then I think kind of super tactically, and I've done this at times, is that you need to be right in show marketing in the business end of the company. So I think, you know, ABM or one-to-one marketing, or even go into a deal and help win a deal for an organisation, allows you at times to then earn the right to do things that might be considered more at the top of the funnel or longer term. So I think be smart with actually where you're showing up in an organisation, you know, quick wins, all that type of stuff. Uh, You know, certainly in an account context or a pursuit context can really work and it can um, it can get you the permission to sort of get the balance that you're looking for.
1: Another amazing layer to pull back that we, we didn't talk about when you and I talked earlier, but one-to-one ABM and you know helping to win deals, that, that triggers a lot of positive emotion and adrenaline hits, honestly, for me, when you talk about that, because I, I don't know that a lot of marketers are thinking about how they can jump in and help close deals. And that's one of the most exciting things that we can do. And thinking about account base, right? We have to celebrate wins before the closed one. We have to celebrate engagement and getting someone to book a meeting, a lot of those things. So talk about how you think folks should approach that, because I I do think a lot of people are ultimately focusing on revenue to hit ROI, but there are celebratory measures in between and helping to close deals. A lot of those things that could happen.
0: Yeah, I do specifically on that. I've always been a big believer in that uh, and I was lucky in, in deal marketing. So I was lucky earlier on in, in my career to sort of be exposed to it. Like well, one-to-one a one-to-one ABM activation effectively, but in a deal cycle, um, look, most companies are sales companies, right? There's typical list there's no secret there. Most organizations or the marketing functions might have grown through sales kind of, you know, orientated efforts. They might even report into the head of sales, all that type of stuff. So there's, it's actually a smart thing to do to think about your budget in a um, in a conversion context too. So like to your point, a lot of people think about creation, but you have got a an in year revenue kind of need. It's it's good for you in terms of getting your budgets down the road and things like that. So for the company to hit target, uh, and you can do some really cool things, especially if you're giving just enough time to think about it like a campaign, have enough run up, work with a work with a deal team that often need help in terms of articulating a win strategy or getting a value proposition out of their head, delivering it in a really creative format or context, it can be a good kind of, well, one, I think you should just have it in there anyway, because it's it's part of your, part of a function in my opinion, but it can be a really good tactic if you want to uh, lobby for a budget or demonstrate value. There's nothing better than saying I've been involved in 10 bids, those 10 bids total, ten billion dollars and we've won a billion dollars of them you know and you can actually show physical assets often um i think like executive summary material mini campaigns hyper targeted digital and social could be really cool efforts and um it probably can get you to a point of down select in my opinion i've always thought in one-to-one deal marketing the measure you should take is actually down selection not necessarily winning it because that comes down to price and stuff like that but you can actually make a big difference on going from a short list of eight down to two or whatever. It's just through articulation and and, and actually walking the walk in terms of your uh, creativity.
1: Yeah, I, I such a good point there. And I, I don't know that everyone is thinking of it that way because we've been forced to look at lead progression 15 years ago, right? And then deal progression and closed one. I, I really think that's something to highlight in the conversation and make sure everyone understands
0: yeah i agree i think i mean it's probably another point in terms of like lead generation is 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 super important but that whole area is becoming a little bit of a sort of a, a game within a game like mqls and sqls and i think actually that's in danger of becoming a sort of misleading metric at times for organizations there's a lot of there's a lot of ways you can actually get You know a lack of quality into that system and also it probably doesn't necessarily match with how people buy at times you know you're talking about individuals with leads versus accounts with leads you know people tend to be buying on longer term cycles now they're actually buying in groups how does that match your sort of lead gen metrics and things i think even within that lead generation world and that people are starting to probably ask more questions of or, or put more focus on you've got to make sure that's you've got a fidelity in your data there too really uh, and it's good to bring a you know a creation and a conversion mindset into it I think it's sort of the responsibility of the function I think it shows that you understand the business and actually it can be really effective and actually sales folks typically want it because you know they're up against it by definition deals are pretty stressful environments <laughs> if you can come to the table and 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 create a a clear narrative and, and create a clear sort of influence or picture from, from marketing contribution to actual one revenue, then I'm not sure what else you can do really in terms of ROI. Yeah. I,
1: I, you know, in any safe space, if we pull together sales and marketing leaders separately together, whatever the case may be, alignment comes up over and over and over. And, you know, we've hit on that without saying, the word, the unspoken word of alignment, but jumping in and helping with deals, there's no better way to build alignment than to really understand what's happening on the calls and finding ways to help on the calls. Do you have any approaches to how how you look at sales and marketing alignment?
0: I don't, I don't know, 20 years of trying to do it. I think, I been. I think to be honest, it's actually is blowing up more than the realities. I think I think there's there's not necessarily a conflict of interest ever. I think it's just sometimes too two communities that don't necessarily <laughs> understand each other as well. I don't, I never feel there's a tension, to be honest. There's just, I think you, like any type of collaboration, right, you need to just engage, you need to understand from their perspective, you need to understand the pressures that they're under, and then align to that in terms of how you think you can help. With the function and, and the tactics that you know works best, I think where it doesn't work is where, you know, marketeers can sometimes fold or whole functions or actually just doing what they're told by somebody in another function who thinks they understand their function i think that doesn't work either that's there's a fine line between um you know making sure you're collaborative and making sure you're you're trying to deliver what for what their role is within the company which is super important but you're not just taking orders if you're like you're not just coming in and doing tasks because actually that will that won't be a road to anywhere good either so i think it's just the basics to be honest in terms of you know, back to language again, back to commercial metrics, probably, you know, a smart way of articulating what you probably is the plan that you've developed anyway, but from a sales orientation, you know, start with your numbers, start with growth, start with language and back into your, uh, you know, more sort of marketing t- technical language or program structure and just know your audience, right? So again, skills of being a marketer, you should understand who you're talking to, um, but typically they're under... They're under pressure to deliver in quarter, in year. Um, they're, they're naturally going to be have a bias for things like you know short term lead gen, for things that they know and love in market, the you know the beloved event booths and all those things. Even though they might not necessarily work, y- your job is to, it you know, is again to listen and then to get the best complexion or get to the to the targets. Um, and often it's just, you know, there's an education element in there too, to, in terms of the different types of channels that you should use or, or even quicker routes to the same outcome, as long as you're sort of owning the outcomes and the path to them. I think, I think you know, my, my, my relationship always with, you know, sales teams has always been a good one because you, you, you know, you effectively are able to help them grow and get commission and all those things. It doesn't, they don't necessarily care if you're doing exactly the thing that they said they do, as long as you show results. But it's different in each organization, I get that. In mean, some organizations, it's very strong, it's very dominant. You end up with a, you know, a, a fairly dominant event kind of model. Um, and it's harder to it's harder to articulate brand plays or digital marketing plays that are, you know, by definition, a bit more invisible. But um, again, I think it's about having the same goal and, and then just engaging in a collaborative way.
1: Yeah, lots of great points there. There were a couple poll quotes too. I was I flagged flag that, flag that. Yeah, definitely doing that for uh, thinking about tweets and LinkedIn posts, all that fun stuff. You know, we've hit on a lot of strategies, tactics, things to make sure that we're focusing on. One thing we haven't talked about as much, some of the softer skills, how you're working with your, your team, how you're collaborating with folks. How are you approaching that in these uncertain times?
0: Yeah, it's a great one to bring up, Chris, because I think, like you said, we, it's easy to get into... You know, the numbers, models, or you know, channels or or tactics and strategies, but you have to remember there's a team, and and, and without that, um, you're not going to get a lot of that done. I think it's a really good one to to pick on because I think now more than ever you do need to sort of be conscious of potential burnout within the team. There might be fatigue in terms of like budgets or replanning conversations constantly. So I think probably a couple of basics really. One is just to is just to ensure that you're checking in all the time and you and you're thinking about retainment of talent because in tough times people start to question things and if they've had you know they've had budget constraints they might think you know start be thinking about role or areas where it might be you know the grass might be greener i think you have to grow and develop people more than ever think about like we talked about at the top of the call there might be roles now that are coming up where people actually stretch into different parts of your organization either in the marketing function or elsewhere i think like at the skill base of of your team think about how sort of fungible that can be. And I think you have to, you know, go back to basics in terms of team spirit and and still try, you know, making sure people are enjoying themselves. I think it's, you know, it is a little tough out there from an the economic perspective, but it's a very good place to be in in a marketing function of or an organisation. So make sure you've got a, you know, doing some of the, the basics around social programmes and connecting and, uh, and making sure people understand the, the purpose and value of their roles. Yeah,
1: great. And we've hit on a lot of this, but any other things you'd like to talk about about how your organization is adapting to the economic downturn and uncertainty and do more with less? Is there anything we didn't cover?
0: I think there's a couple of things. I think one is sort of around planning cycles and and your mindset for planning. I think, you know, we've certainly been, I mean, agile does get thrown around half of the term not in our company but in the, in the industry I think but we, we've truly sort of thought about it in a more agile way I think I think the days of three to five year plans are probably gone I think if anybody's working on that and uh, you know that's going to come good in the later stages might, might suggest sort of putting that down but um, I think we you know we've certainly looked at much more you know a 12 month plan with you know a, a bunch of agility baked into that thinking about it on a on a quarterly structure when you can be sensible and that works for the channels that you're using and then like we talked about getting the right mix of of you know you know, brand and demand and client plays within that and the other thing is around focus like in market focus has become a bigger conversation now than ever i think focus on the you know the organization side in terms of what is our go-to-market and then and then obviously tightly aligned to that what is our focus as a as a marketing function so keeping it as simple as possible would be like a big mantra for us and um there is actually complexity in doing that but i think it's it could actually be the the defining kind of characteristic i think of successful organizations and and marketing functions the ability to to be bold but focused at the same time to keep it simple to think about you know all the way through to go to market really in terms of a clear and simple message. Smooth the customer experience, being really clear on your priority markets and accounts. You know, you're less but better in terms of your program mix. I think simplicity and trying to live that through the choices and having as fewer variables as possible. If you like, in terms of how you're going to go to market or make it you know, you're cleaner and efficient uh, in in the market.
1: Yeah, that's such a great one. I, I'm probably spending ninety percent of my time under simplicity, if I'm honest, uh, it, just a lot of the projects I'm on and yeah. And, it, and it's always in the eyes of the customer, which is something we don't do every time as marketers, if we're honest, sometimes it is uh, internal out and, you know, really making sure that we're hitting the simple mark for the customer. So great point
0: there. Yeah, I think you bring up, that's a, ma- that's a mega point in terms of like, when we've talked about this a lot and you, you see it in sort of whatever we're calling this period we're going into sort of you know pressurized economics or situation organizations go back to the core of what they think is core to them or core to their clients and you know and therefore sort of spend aligned to that so i think we've talked about that a lot in terms of well you have to be very you know simple in terms of if, if that is the headset of your client or even your internal organization then you're going to have to be simple in terms of how you reach them, the time you've got to get your message across, where you reach them, etc. So I think, you know, people's headsets, if you like, or decision-making capacity is probably reduced, if you like, in terms of they're not exploring as much in these days as they would maybe in in more positive times. So therefore, how do you become very simple and very kind of critical or core to that organization as well or within your message? So a lot of it does go back to keeping things as simple as possible, all the way down to your own organization structure, because you need to be that way in the market.
1: Great. Well, we talked about the softer side. Now it's time for us to pivot to the softer side and, and wrap things up here. But uh, it, this is a section we call Good So Every episode, we ask pretty much the same question. Is there a book, blog, newsletter, website, podcast, video, class, anything that you recommend to our listeners that they should check out?
0: a oh, good one there's um i read a book called legacy which is by the new zealand all blacks rugby team it's more in the, the dimension of um team spirit and team building is pretty much i think they're the most successful sports team on record by like you know their stats or whatever <laughs> i think that's their sort of official when they're obviously like a an incredible uh team and brand of, of their own but that's all about like their mantra in terms of like the code of you know code of conduct if you like in terms of how they think about team building and how they think about like building team spirit and some of the sort of non-negotiables that they live by. Uh that's pretty cool Reed, actually. Um yeah, legacy. Yeah, it's a good one.
1: I'll check that out. And you know, this is small world category, not rehearsed, but I have one friend and colleague that I've worked with that is from New Zealand who's a huge all blacks fan, rugby coach and knows flight of the concords like he's friends with brit and jermaine so every new zealand box that i tried to check just joking i was like oh let me guess you play rugby I was like yeah coach ruby let me guess you know flight of the concords He's like yeah here's their cell phone numbers here's a picture of me hanging out with yeah yeah so i have to connect you james robert shout out james oh, robert but...
0: <laughs> and oh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is not right but i'm actually meant to be going to in, in uh, november of next year so i could meet all those guys
1: yeah. Just, that's awesome. It's, the world is small. The world is small. So uh, yeah, I, I shuffled out James Roberts, but uh, the last section, good people, right? Can you share the name of three inspirational people that everyone should hear about or that we should bring to the show?
0: Any way you want to interpret that question? Uh, from a marketing perspective, yeah, there's a few. I think uh, my old boss, Stacey Simpson, now CMO at uh, um, Athena it, Healthcare in, in the U.S., she'd be really cool to have on here great character and um you know a bit of a force to be honest i think you you should you'd have a good time speaking with stacy uh there's a guy called david van shake at uh the marketing practice in the uk and he's uh he's a cool guy and he's um he's a bit of a thought leader and expert really in terms of marketing strategy and has written a bunch of cool stuff and thought leadership and um that whole thing the long and the short of it the brand and demand thing is his shtick so um yeah he'd be a cool guy to get on and then the last one would be a uh, non-marketing one would be jürgen klopp the current liverpool fc manager if you can get him on then he's uh, he's he's a pretty inspirational guy <laughs> i'm not sure what he'd make us all right need to be marketing but yeah he's a he's a hero
1: we will work on that. That would be a good one to follow up with you and say, hey, we made it happen. So <laughs> we'll definitely work on that. Yeah, well, let me well, know. I, but, but. <laughs> all right, you can join. You can interview him. How about that? I'll, I'll try to make it happen. We'll see if we can pull it off. And and then our very last question. Uh, how can people get in touch with you after the podcast?
0: Right, um, LinkedIn. Yeah, I'm on LinkedIn. Uh, And that, yeah, that's the easiest way, I think. All right.
1: Cool. Well, great job, Neil. Totally crushed it. Lots of great insights for everyone here. Really appreciate you being on the show. It was an enjoyable conversation. Thank you so much. I loved it. Thank you. Good to meet you guys.
0: Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is smarter GTM for B2B brands to help marketing and sales teams spot the juiciest opportunities earlier and progress them faster. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunnyside Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us, and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand-Based TV.